0: Style, incarnational, you know, that all of us, all of us are salt, all of us are light, all of us are told, you know, to go and make disciples. And uh, it's, um, as evangelists, we are to equip the saints to do the work of service. The evangelist doesn't do all the work. The pastor doesn't do all the, you know, the apostle, he's supposed to equip the saints. So we're all supposed to mature into the head, which is Christ. We don't, you know, it, I'll use an analogy later. you couldn't did you figure out which one it is? It won't open. It won't open. I do <laughs> uh, did you go to PowerPoint and it just went't open? I thought this morning you know I think I'll copy it onto there. It's a good decision, <laughs> just in case so so no other questions about anything we've talked about so far? Well, I will pray for you. To be laborers in the harvest. Because the Lord knows we need laborers in the harvest. There we are, discipleship. Good place to start is definitions, because I found that I talk to somebody and I say discipleship, and they have this concept, and this guy over here has a different concept of discipleship. So, discipleship is much more than a program. You know, what is your discipleship program? Well, it's interesting, Jesus didn't give them a program, did he? His disciples. He was the program. Remember, he chose twelve to what? Be with him and to send them out to preach, give them opportunity to practice it. <gasps> Imagine that Christianity—you're actually supposed to live it out. And uh, and they failed, and they made mistakes, and they you know they got scared like we do. But he sent them out. He could have done it all better. But His goal was to make disciples. God's goal for you is to make disciples. And we'll talk about it in a second. But disciples much more than knowledge. It's not about knowing the Bible. or know, You're being able, like we talked about, this guy just talking about earlier, about arguing and winning an argument. But it's about knowing God and knowing Him personally. Daniel 11, the people who know their God, not know about Him, but really know Him personally, display strength and take action. Discipleship is difficult. <laughs> you know why? Because you have to live it. <laughs> you have to you're talking to your kids about being patient with each other and working together. And then they look at you and mom and you're kind of, ooh, wow. I, one of my sons the other day, one of his one of one of my sons, my grandson used a word, he thought, you know, not a good word. And he thought, Where'd that come from? He said, Oh gosh, I remember saying that, you know. And I remember times in my life I've done things. And my son was, was doing something, and I looked and I thought, "Where did he... I know where he got that, because I was doing that. So that's why discipleship's difficult, because you have to live it. You have to be an example, an example in loving others, and laying down your life, like you were talking about, not being selfish. Um, so it's, uh, it is difficult. <laughs> that's why Paul told Timothy, one of his disciples, "Take pains with this, these things. Be absorbed in them." so that your progress may be evident to all. And he's not talking about progress in his knowledge or this kind of stuff. It's progress in his life, in his his love, his kindness, and all these things. Discipleship is a team effort, but each person must commit for it to be effective. When everybody's in charge, nobody's in charge. Hey, this is our job. Go make disciples. Okay, well, what are you doing about it? What am I doing about it? The only person I can really control is me. can't even do that very well sometimes. But, you know, I can pray for you. I can encourage you. You can encourage me. But the only person you can control. But we've all got to say, okay, I'm in. You've got to say, I'm in. Because it is a family. It is it is the effect of all of us. Because you know what most unbelievers do a lot of times? They'll say, okay, here's the pastor. You know those circles with the, the line across it? You know, like Ghostbusters or whatever. No ghosts or whatever. Is that where it started? But, you know, no smoking, no this or no that. They'll put the pastor right there. Because they just... Well, that's his job. You know, he or she, they're paid for that. But how about the average person out there? What difference is God making in their lives every day? That's what they're looking at. And so it really is a team effort, but it's fun that way too because there are things you can do. There's things that the the way you can love and serve and affect other believers that I can't. So together we team up on them. Robert and I, you know, going hunting or whatever the situation is. Matt and I sharing the gospel the other day or... Last year with this young guy out behind the, uh, the restaurant, you know, teaming up. It's much more. Jesus sent them out in pairs. We're, we're a part of a body. Discipleship is a group effort, and yet individually we must own it. You have to say, okay, who am I discipling in what way? Who, what am I doing to really make a difference in other Christians' lives? Okay, go ahead. So we have to define it. Um, discipleship. By example. It's all about being an example. You like that picture? I think that's pretty cool. And uh, you can't see that verse because I was trying to pick a color and I didn't pick the right color. Luke 6.40. It's camouflaged. (laughs) It says, A pupil is not above his teacher, but everyone after he's fully trained will be like his teacher. Not like the teaching, but like his teacher, just like and good and bad. So you are a witness. You are a leader of some, in some degree. You are a disciple. So let's just, uh, I will help you be a good one. You help me be a good one. <laughs> let's accept it. Let's, uh, okay, I am i am a disciple, and I should be making disciples. Go, therefore, and make disciples who will be able to entrust these things to other you know people who... Um, uh, I'm getting all mixed up. <laughs> go make disciples of all the nations, you know, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Here's Jesus talking to the disciples, talking to those disciples, and then it's supposed to go on reproducing. That's normal. We, we talk about reproduction in families, and yet in the church, we're sterile. We are. I mean, how many churches have started churches? How many, how many of us have led people to Christ? How many of us have actually made a disciple who's made a disciple? And I'm not trying to make you feel bad because I, you know, fingers point both ways, you know. And I, I have to say, wow, Lord, what am I doing? But a disciple after he's fully trained is going to be like you. <laughs> that's like, whoa, your kids are going to be like you. How you live, not just what you say. That's what Jesus said to the, you know, the Pharisee or the, the crowd. Do what the Pharisees say, don't do what they do. They weren't good examples. They weren't making good disciples. They had disciples, they just weren't any good. In Philippians 3.17, Brethren, join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. That's all of us. And that's, it's not like something we have to do. It's a privilege. You know, the Bible says children are a gift from God. My, my main disciples are my children. And I don't look at them sometimes. (laughs) No, those little stinkers, you know. I wish they were somewhere else. No, I think it's a privilege to be a father. Every one of them. Isn't it, Chet? It's a privilege to to, to love them, to disciple them. And what are you preparing them for? So that when they're 35, they'll still be at home and not working and living off your income? No, of course not. You're preparing them. From day one, that's your goal, is that they grow up, they mature, they become faithful in little so they'll be faithful in much so they can be responsible. What a, that's a dirty word these days. Responsible for their own life and then for others, and they can have their own family. And we do that, you know, we, we teach that, and yet in the church, we need to empower one another, encourage and train one another, make disciples. Who are your disciples? Reproduce, reproduce, reproduce. And teach those people that you lead to Christ to reproduce also, and we don't look at it like, oh man, I have to do this. It's a privilege. It's fun. <laughs> it's exciting. You're impacting lives for all eternity. Okay, the past, this kind of continues the next slide. The same. Your greatest teaching tool is your life your greatest teaching tool. So you, you know, what we're ultimately trying to do is get our life to kind of match more what we say, because the message will always be greater than the messenger. But we don't want to be total hypocrites, you know. We don't want to say this over here and live totally opposite. We want to try to match that more, you know, getting closer and closer, but even when we die, we'll still be very far away from really living it completely. But, Philippians four, Paul continues. These are the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. More is caught than taught. Yeah, my children learned to work hard. All of them work hard. A lot of them have their own businesses because they saw dad working hard and enjoying it <laughs> most of the time, not grumbling about vacuuming and cleaning or you know changing diapers or. We're going to work and painting houses and, you know, you know, coming home, you know. But do they see me handling life and difficulty? They watch, they watch, they catch it. You're teaching them all the time. And we think of, well, now's we're going to teach them about God. You know what? You're always teaching them about God. In everything, all the time, they're watching you. Your disciples, your little disciples, and your adult disciples. Well, that kind of makes you want to... Straighten up, fly right, right? <laughs> like, whoa. No wonder Paul said, you know, to Timothy, be absorbed in these things. Pay, a cl- pay c- close attention to yourself and to your teaching. Pay close attention to yourself, Timothy, and, your, you know, live it, practice it. Okay, next. Discipleship is for everybody, just like raising children. I start down here at the bottom. As the family is for everyone, so also is discipleship. We don't just, do, I don't, I have seven children, and I told five of them, I expect you guys to grow up, get married, have your own. Two of them? I said, no way. You'll never have a family. I don't ever expect that. you would say, well, you're crazy. And I know. I'm, I'm joking. Of course I didn't. I expected all of them, and now all of them are married. And not all of them have children because some of them just got married. Um, but uh, it's normal. You know, say, you know, these few, these few Christians over here, we expect you to really grow and mature. And you all, there's no way, you know. The uh, the body grows according to the proper working of each individual part. So discipleships for everybody. Jesus commissioned us all to go, not the professionals. You know, in reality, there are no professionals. Uh, avoid this clergy-laity divide. There are no professionals. And uh, we just, again, I think what it does, that professionalism, it puts people up there in the stands while the professionals are down there out on the you know field, working hard and playing and getting exhausted, and worn out. They need rest. The guys in the stands need exercise. You know, so we want to get us all out on the field. Jesus does all out, on, and you are actually again, you are a disciple, and you are making disciples. But are they good disciples? Are they healthy disciples? And I just want to help you know you can do this, and you can make healthy disciples. First of all live the life. You know, really enjoy Jesus like you were talking about earlier. If you have a problem, that's what this book is about too. Uh, If you have a problem with this relationship or if it doesn't exist, all these relationships with people, they're totally dependent on this. If there's something broken here, it's because either we don't know God or we're not walking in the Spirit. We're a Christian who's not filled with the Spirit. So the, the, the thing to do is go back. Say, God, okay, how are you and I doing? What... Is there something between us here that you know that will help me with this these relationships? Okay, so discipleship for everybody. Discipleship is intentional. It's not accidental. <laughs> it doesn't just happen. Raising children is not a passive affair, right? You know, I saw one of the mothers out here working with her little daughter, and you know, right in her face, getting down on her level, and you know, it was great. It was it was fantastic. It was intentional. It didn't just happen. And you saw there was something needed attention. Now, it would be a lot easier to just say, well, you know, let, let Vacation Bible School take care of that or, or, or let the pastor take care of that or let, you know, these guys take care But God says, no, I gave your kids to you, and who is better suited to train them than you? Nobody. Nobody can have a, and will have a greater influence on your children than you. And nobody, you shouldn't think otherwise. You shouldn't think, I can't do this. You can do this. You can do all things through Christ. So, it's intentional. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all the nations and teach them to observe all that I've commanded you. Uh, tell your disciples in the beginning what your intentions are. Just like I'm pre-discipleship with uh, with Hiro yesterday. I was saying, you know, I want you to come to know Christ and then I want you to help these other guys here come to know Christ. He's not even a Christian yet. And... Uh, but from the beginning, raising little kids, you know, so, I don't mean every day you scare, scare them to death. You know, uh, like you're going to be moving out next week, son, and have to go out and fill out your, get your job out, your resume all together. He's two years old and scare him to death. One time, I think we were talking with one of our daughters, you know, old, like our younger daughter, Mary, she's like 25, 6 now or so. This is a couple of years. This was when Jasper, our granddaughter, was probably about three, and she's real perceptive. So we were going somewhere in the car, and we were talking with Mary and talking to her about marriage. I don't think Mary, you know, was not married at that time, obviously because she just got married in August. And uh, we were t- talking to her about that, and then um, she got out of the car. Danelle and I were in the car. Jasper's in the back seat, <laughs> she's in the car seat, <laughs> and uh, I think I said something. You know, just well. You know, Jasper. Someday, you know, you'll get married, and 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 you know, she didn't say anything, and you'll you know have your own family. Just giving her a little vision for her life. (laughs) A couple minutes later, she said, "I'm still in my car seat." (laughs) But she knew. She knew it wasn't going to happen next week or whatever. (laughs) It's like, chill, granddad. I'm still in my car seat. But uh, we need to give people. Without a vision, people will perish. What, you know, we need compelling reasons to, to live. We need a purpose bigger than us. Bigger than just even us here. You know, God, Paul said, I didn't prove disobedient to the heavenly vision. God has got a vision. God is working. We're just joining Him in what He's trying to do in this world. And He wants us to go and make disciples. So just like training children is not a passive thing, you have to think about it, you have to pray about it, you have to agonize over it. And what is God doing? You think God gave your children so you could could train them? No, He gave your children to train you. (laughs) So then you pray for them to get their own children so they can be trained. (laughs) But seriously, I mean, real, how much does God do? I was talking with Matthew yesterday. And he, one of his common requests, my son Matthew, is uh, patience. You know, I need patience with these kids and I need to be in the Spirit. It's, wow, that's God's seminary, God's Bible school. <laughs> these little, you know, crumb crunchers here, they're the ones God's using in your life <laughs> to train you, to help you trust Him more, help you grow up, help you walk in the Spirit. So it's very intentional, but to to train them you have to think, okay, what do they need? I mean, you didn't, you had to really, you know, put some thought into working with your daughter and, and I'm sure you'll think more about it and you'll pray, okay, how did I handle that? How could I say it better next time? Or what, is it making a difference? Is she changing? Is she suddenly understanding what we we're talking about? Because the goal is not just to discipline them. The goal is to help them develop a conscience. The faith that you have, have as your own conviction. That's what you want for your disciples. A disciple isn't just somebody just, yeah, I'll do whatever you tell me. I'm not, you know, I'm not even going to think about it. No, <laughs> you decide. You want them ultimately to come to know Jesus, to have a relationship with Jesus, to listen to the Spirit of God in them, and obey God because of their relationship and their walking with Him. When they're not with you, when they're grown up, that's what you want them to do. Not just stand on their own two, two feet financially, but spiritually. But when do you start? You don't wait till they're 18 years old or going off to college and say, "Okay, son." I'm going to help you learn how to pick up your room, you know, and brush your teeth, and and it's about time we started to learn how to mow the lawn, and you know, you well, you don't start when they're six or two either, you know. I remember teaching Mary that to mow the lawn when she was about probably about eight, and she was crying. <laughs> <laughs> only Mary, had. and she mowed back and forth a few times, like, and all this grass is sticking up because you know she didn't overlap enough for the lawnmower, and I didn't chew her out. I just said, Mary, that's great, you know, you're doing, you can do this, and then she. After a while, she got used to it and started enjoying enjoy it. So, wow, it is intentional. Go and make... Uh, and you can't read this either. <laughs> it's also camouflaged. Um, it says, look for fat people. You ever heard that before? Yeah. Look for fat people. In Timothy, he says, 2 Timothy 2, 2, These things and trust of faithful people, faithful men, will be able to teach others also. See, discipleship is not just about imparting your life and the gospel to one, then they come to know Christ. You help the other, help them grow, but also helping them from the beginning. God also wants you. Do you you know any? You know, they come to know Christ this week. Say she gives her life to Christ. do You know anybody else who, who, uh, any friends of yours or family who would like who you think would also benefit from what just happened in your life and how God, oh, yeah, yeah, I've already been thinking about it. And you're thinking of reproduction. Usually non-Christians, are when they get saved, are better at it than we are. You know, I want to tell my friend. I remember doing that with my friends on the soccer team. I just wanted them to come to Christ. And I don't know anybody's making me go tell them, pushing them, but I just wanted them to have because I was enjoying Christ. I was, for, I was free. I was no longer guilty. And so I wanted them to have what I had. And uh, I wasn't very good at it. <laughs> I have a lot of zeal without knowledge. But one of the guys on my team, one of the goalies, wrote me, you know, I've, this was a long time ago. when <laughs> I went to college at Clemson. I graduated in 74. One of the goalies, Jeff Steelman, wrote me about two or three years ago, and he said, I just want you to know I have gave my life to Christ after college. You know, I remember you sharing the gospel with me. And uh, so, you know, you never, never know, uh, even as a young zealot. But anyway, we are told to find faithful people. These things entrust a faithful thing. What's a faithful person? It's a fat person. Faithful, available, teachable, fat. Some people call them fats with a servant, S on the end, fats. But you're looking for people who are available to you. They're willing to get. They're available to God. He was faithful in a very little thing, will be faithful in much. You say, let's get together and read the Bible, and they meet you. If they don't get with you, and they just have excuse, and no, I don't want to, and... Maybe they really didn't get saved, <laughs> um, but you're finding you want you know you uh, you love everybody, love all Christians, but you really pour your life into those who are most faithful. It's kind of the same principle of looking for a person of peace. Share the gospel with everybody, with all unbelievers, but some people are really going to respond. Doesn't mean you write the other ones off because a week from now or a year from now they may go through something in their life that makes them come to you and say, "Hey, Chet." I remember talking with you about God about a year ago and I didn't really want to listen, but my dad just died this week and can we talk? And, and then they're, they're more receptive and they may get saved. So don't write them off, but focus on those. Same with, with Christians. You know, get with those who are really willing to get with you, who are available to you, to God. They're teachable. You, know, you encourage them in some way and you see they're applying it to their life. And they're faithful with what God is showing and teaching them to faithful little and faithful with much. That's why I think we really want to be overseas someday and start here. Start here now with one. Be faithful with one. Be faithful little. Okay. Ah, yes. This is our picture of our house church last year. You see Eric over there, Sarah. <laughs> and they're kiddos. On the front row there. This couple is uh, Ukrainian. And uh, Sveta is not in that picture. She's Ukrainian too. Uh, but these guys are living here <laughs> in America. Uh, Sveta is a single girl that is living with Timmy and Kenyon. Timmy's right next to me up there. And his wife is in front of him. That's my wife, Danelle, on the right. Um, but discipleship requires a healthy DNA. In the church, in your body. And what I mean by this is uh, D for divine truth, N, nurturing relationships, and A, apostolic mission. A healthy church has all of that going on, where God's word is valued and taught and obeyed, and nurturing relationships is not just about attending meetings, but people caring for each other during the week, praying for one another, serving each other, helping each other paint the fence, or whatever the, you know, whatever the. Whatever needs going on in a marriage or family, raising kids, and then apostolic mission—it's so important. That seems to be one of the first things to go. That's why I'm so encouraged by you guys taking this time. You're here today. Your church is doing this because evangelism and having lost people in our hearts is probably one of the first things to go. It's it's the front lines, and it's so easy just to out of sight, out of mind. You know, they're not going to be knocking on your door and saying, "Please tell me about Jesus." That's why we have to go. we were talking with some of you guys earlier, and they don't even know what they don't know. They don't even know that they, why they have these problems. The righteous man falls seven times, rises again. The wicked stumble in time of calamity. and When they stumble, they, they don't even know why they stumble. They, they keep having these problems in their lives, and they don't know what it is. And you and I can help them figure it out. Hey, this is why. This is why. The righteous man falls seven times, gets back up, because, well, I see what I fell over. You know, Hopefully we will learn not to fall. But they don't even know. So we need to be, have the apostolic mission. We need a good, healthy church. as a church that's on mission right here. Again, you don't have to go overseas to be a missionary, to be a, on mission, to be salt, to be light. You already are a child of God. You are uh, uh, representing Christ. You are an ambassador. Think of that. Wow. I'm a king. I'm a priest. <laughs> Sometimes it will just grab me. I will have had a quiet time that morning and I'm driving to go exercise, and I thought, I just talked to God. <coughs> wow, I just spent time with God <laughs> this morning. I, you know, during my quiet time, it's like this is amazing. Think about it. you just like, but somehow I guess we, in in so many situations, we've made it boring. <coughs> you know, this Christian life is not supposed to be. God's not boring. All right, I think that might be it. Isn't that it? That's it. So, any questions? Mm-hmm. hmm Mhm. Uh, but he doesn't go to the Catholic church. Mm-hmm. And, uh, a lot of you know, Mhm. Uh, I guess yeah, how, they're, how, they're how to reach him? Well, I I think what. What was the guy's name we saw on the video? Philip. Philip. Seems to tie in well with what we were talking about earlier about building that relationship. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care about them. Just, you know, spending time with him, whatever he likes to do, you know, getting to know him. And then, you know, say, Dad, you know, as you're in that context of enjoying life with him and doing something and showing a genuine interest in his life, ask God, to uh, open opportunities to help you just share. Hey, I just want to share with you briefly how God's, how I've come to know God and what He's done in my life. And again, if it's just short, you know, say, you know, three weeks ago, three years, whenever it was, you know, I know we were raised Catholic and, but, and then just tell your story. But what would help you is to write your story down like I've done, tell it to a few people, practice it. We do that in interviewing with people you know for a job and things like we practice 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 so practice it we did that in our house church You've seen guys right here we went uh, each week we'd hear one or two people we didn't do it the whole you know, time but one or two people every week share their whoever wanted to it wasn't a forced thing share their testimony they knew you know, they would write it down and then they would share it where they with us who were safe with us <laughs> we didn't but they would ask us you know we would talk among ourselves you know, what could I do different? What would you say? We, okay, well, why don't you shorten this? Or that was a really good point. Why don't you expound on that? Or this was too much church language talking about being born again. Why don't you say, I, you know, I just I came to know God personally. I had a spiritual birth by coming to know Christ personally. And trying to, you know, understand what is the unbeliever. But we helped each other. We did that in the safety of our family. And, uh, and it was helpful. And then a number of people have written their testimony tracts and started using them. So it's just thinking of steps, you know, that you can do. I'm sure there are other, you know, ways to do that. Uh, if you have difficulty, I, I had a hard time with my dad. He, and I don't know what it was. You know, I could talk to a telephone pole, but having to talk to my dad was different. Um, it really helps to to go share the, the gospel with others. Like get with Chet, get, you know, go see somebody. Maybe a little easier. It's like when I took my kids fishing. I didn't take them out to try to catch trout because they're hard to catch. I take them to these ponds where you pay to fish, <laughs> and you just put the hook in the water, you got a fish. You know, so I wanted them to be successful. Uh, and once then they kind of, they get hooked, and they say, "Oh, but then you know, then I don't take them to trout. I go let's go to a place like catching brim, and you know you know you don't pay there, but they're, they're hungry and more likely to be successful. So if you could go and you know, like even short-term mission trips and situations like that can help you, but the short-term mission trip is successful if you come back and continue to grow and make progress uh, in, in sharing the gospel with others. Mm-hmm. Good. Like I said, the devil wants us to not think, you know, it's, that's their job. You know, that's their job, that's his job, that's her job. Just think of what it'll be like if we really if the church really embraces this. And it we get away from this clergy-laity stuff, and we get back to hey, we're all children of God, we're all saints, we're all kings and priests and ambassadors for Christ. And you are, Jesus said the Holy Spirit, when He's He's come upon you, all of you the pejorative, is that the right word? You will be my witnesses. Not just say even go witnessing, but that's who you are. So even that should help you. Oh, wow, I'm always on mission. Let me, let me consciously realize I'm always on mission. People are watching everything I'm doing. Even Maybe nobody, no other Christians are around watching me. I'm on, I'm on mission. So I really want to live a life that points people to Jesus, that draws them to Him. Any other questions? I guess you need to. Are we good on our time? I have a question so, um, <laughs> I found that you're always very good at driving to a spiritual component very quickly. Right? So, you and I haven't seen each other in a while, upstairs, you to chit chat for a second. So, what's the problem teaching you? To. <laughs> With unbelievers in the gospel, with or, believers. With believers. Um, and, <laughs> and forgive me, because I knew I wasn't gonna have much time with you. No, I so, it was good. so, well, I, I, I wanted, no, I'm for more. And, and the reason I did that was I wanna know, but I wanna know so that I can pray for you. That's, that's because I know I won't have much time, so I got to the point. Maybe I would chit chat a little more, <laughs> be quite so direct. Um, what's God been teaching you lately or what may I pray for you about? That always, I think, you know, because when you ask somebody, what can I pray for you about, well, that's something on your heart. You know, what, what concerns you right now? What are you, is there something you're anxious about or worried about or, or is there something, you know, uh, what, what has God been teaching you is always a good question. I'd have to ask myself that sometime. Or even, you know, what has God been teaching you from the Word? then people answer that, and usually a lot of times it's, you know, it's the facts, it's the story. And then you have to ask, well, how are you applying that to your life? And see, that's such a great culture to develop with all of us. I mean, at Clemson years ago, and it wasn't just our our student ministry, our little church there at Clemson, it was, it was cross-boundaries. We didn't see boundaries. This person's navigator. This person's in crew. This one, wasn't crew then, crusade. But uh, we would just see other Christians out of the campus and we'd ask each other, hey, what can I pray for you about? Or, or who are you sharing the gospel with? Or, you know, we just, and it was a culture. So as you guys develop that and it's intentional, then it'll be, uh, you'll be doing it in the car. You'll be doing it outside of, quote, meetings. You'll see that discipleship... You know, we we think of uh, teaching. Well, do we have a teaching today? That, and that usually means somebody talk for about forty to forty-five minutes or an hour. But if two of you are in the car and you're going to go buy stuff for the vacation Bible school, the summer, and you're you're driving to the grocery store to buy the food, and you start sharing your quiet times with each other, and this is what God taught me. Is that not teaching? Are you not discipling? Are you not sharing life, building each other up? Yes. So a lot of things we talk about, I think, and we have to uh, reevaluate uh, and, and e- expand um, our definition, our understanding of being a missionary or teaching, those kind of things. Um, I think it's always, you know, if, it, if, if I'm um, with somebody alone, uh, my daughter, we run together three days a week, we always pray together. So it's not only what can I pray for you about if you're on the phone, or whatever. Pray, pray with them in the car. Just, just pray. Doesn't have to be long prayers. Just say, Lord, I just you know pray for Jane right now. I know she's got that interview coming up, and just pray you'd help her be at peace and, and just uh, real confident in what she communicates. And your will be done if you want her to get the job. We just bottom line love each other. We want to know that somebody cares. Text them. Uh, Send him an email. Hey, I'm praying for you. Out of the blue.